knocking on the door of another weekend. That must mean it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. This is Andrew, and I'm very glad to be with you again on this Friday. We want to welcome all of our listeners in. We thank you so much for taking in the time to listen to us, whether you are on the Speaking For Him website, whether you listen to uh, through iTunes or Stitcher. We very much thank you for joining us. Today we will be reviewing the film God's Not Dead, and this has been both one of my most highly anticipated, personally for me, reviews, but also comes with a certain amount of angst just because of the mixed reviews I've heard from other people about this film and some of the subject matter which it contains. And with that as an intro, I'll kick it over to Adam for our quote of the day which actually comes from the movie we are reviewing today. My life and my whole eternity belongs to God. All this stuff is temporary. Money, fame, success is temporary. Even life is temporary. Jesus, that's eternal. And that's actually from Willie Robertson from Duck Dynasty that guest stars in this movie with his wife. And maybe someday, uh, speaking for him, will be big enough time that we'll actually have Willie Robin- Robertson from Doug Dynasty in the studio with us. <laughs> but at this point, the quote is going to have to do. So um, we will uh, dig into this movie in a little more detail in just a moment. But first of all, let's hear the theatrical trailer for the movie, God is Not Dead. You prayed and believed your whole life. And here you are. Explain that to me. What do you say to people that are offended by your show? Because you pray to Jesus in every episode. If we disown him, he'll disown us. When a 12-year-old watches his mother dying of cancer, a God who would allow that is not worth believing in. Life is really a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. Name? Uh, Wheaton. Josh Wheaton. Philosophy 150. You might want to think about a different uh, instructor. Come on, man, it can't be that bad. Think uh, Roman Coliseum, people cheering for your death. I'm Professor Radisson. This is Philosophy 150. I would like to bypass senseless debate altogether and jump to the conclusion which every sophomore is already aware of. There is no God. All that I require from each of you is that you fill in the papers I've just given you with three little words. God is dead. Wheaton is something wrong. I can't do what you want, I'm a Christian. If you cannot bring yourself to admit that God is dead, then you will need to defend the antithesis. Think of Jesus as my friend. You think Jesus is God? I don't want to disappoint him. So your acceptance of this challenge may be the only meaningful exposure to God and Jesus they'll ever have. To me, he's not dead. I don't want anyone to get talked out of believing in him just because the professor thinks they should. Mr. Wheaton, are you ready? We're going to put God on trial. You think you're smarter than me? Do not try to humiliate me in front of my students. In that classroom, there is a God. I'm him. This experiment is over. You get to decide who the most important person in your life is. Me, Professor Radisson. But I have to do this thing. Like it's something that God wants me to do. I, I can't just turn away from it. You just want to ensnare them in your primitive superstition. What I want is for them to make their own choice. That's what God wants. You have no idea how much I'm going to enjoy failing you. Yeah, but who are you really looking to fail? Me or God? 
his existence you know the truth so why do you hate him it's a very simple question why do you hate god god's not dead he's surely alive he's living on the inside all right well there you have the theatrical trailer for god's not dead uh what if in case you couldn't pick it up from the trailer the basic synopsis is this josh wheaton goes to a college. We're never told the name of the college, but it's a secular university, and he's checking in, and the person that's registering him from classes looks over the email that he had with his class list and says, for your philosophy elective, there's three different uh, choices for a professor, and you basically got the worst. And he says, it can't be that bad, but he gets into class, and finds out that it is that bad because the very <laughs> first thing this professor says to him is, write on a piece of paper, there is no God, sign it, and then we will get on with class because we go from that premise that there is no God. And of course, Josh, being a Christian, cannot go along with this, and so he's challenged by the professor. And I, that's, I think that's going to be a key going into our review, that he's challenged by the professor, uh, that if he's not going to support the consensus of the room that he's going to have to defend it. And so that happens through the course of the movie along with some other subplots which we will get into. And from the outset, Adam, um, actually, I'll go to you and get your general thoughts and then I'll come back with what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, you know, I I actually liked the movie. Um, I like how it actually addressed how in... You know, the, the real world, those situations kind of come up. You might not have somebody say, I want you to write down on this paper, God is dead or anything. But um, sometimes it can be easy to get into kind of a, a, a Christianese bubble a little bit. I, at least in my own life, I can find that. So being reminded that these things happen and how to respond in those times. I really appreciated the movie, how it kind of processed that and allowed you to process it when you're watching the film. I also like actually the acting in it. I thought it was really, really good. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of Christian movies can kind of get a rap for having a lot of cheese in it, you know, being a little cheesy. And um, I thought the actors did a, a, a top-notch job for their roles that they, they, were, they were given. What I was going to say uh, before I tossed it over to Adam was that I really feel like there was too much going on in this film. There were a lot of compelling storylines, but you don't need to put every possible storyline in one film. And I I know that I usually save the critical stuff for the end of the podcast, but I just wanted to get that out of the way right away. And then also, I just like the fact that the way that God was glorified, the way that Christ was mentioned in honoring and reverential way, because as we said when Kevin McCreary uh, was on, on the last week of February, we talked about how it's not enough to believe that God's not dead because there's a lot of people that are not Christians that believe that God's not dead. They believe in God. But believing in Jesus Christ is really the difference maker. And so um, I really think it was important that that was brought up. But So that's, that's kind of my general thoughts. 
And definitely some some positive things about this movie is that um, Josh Wheaton, um, they don't say much about his parents, but they must have done a good job raising him because he went in as a college freshman and he's like, I can't um, do this thing. I can't go against my Christian conscience to say that God's not dead. And then I think it's important to point out that the professor challenged him. Yeah. You know, because... Because I've had, I've heard people say, well, he shouldn't have challenged the professor that way. You need to love people into the kingdom. And I agree that we need to love people into the kingdom. But there are some times where we need to stand up in a public forum and declare who God is. And and be open and forthright about that. The, the disciples in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, they weren't thrown in prison because a one-on-one devotional opportunity went south they were thrown in prison because they stood up and preached that the reason that the layman walked was because of jesus christ of nazareth the son of god and then they were thrown in prison so they chose not to stay silent and we as believers need to choose that road as well to not stay silent to articulate our beliefs in a loving but firm way and say this is what we believe and we're not ashamed of it so that is what I wanted to say about the movie more, some of the positives that came out of this movie. Um, there was one storyline that I understood what they were trying to do with it, but it came off um, a little off, and that was the storyline with the car and how it kept not starting. Oh, and yeah. With the pastor and his friend. And you realize at the end of the film why, because in God's divine timing, they needed to be where they were. Mm -hmm. Um, But they should have had multiple things happen instead of the same thing over and over again. Right. (laughs) Because the odds that they would go to a rental car place and have two or three cars not start and still go back to the same rental place, or that they wouldn't have had his car towed so that it could be fixed. Or that they would pray and have his car eventually start at the end of the trip and say, we're going to take it on a 12-hour journey and hope that it starts the same every single time after not starting. That was a bit much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, what are your thoughts about some of the positive stuff that came out of this film? Uh, You know, the interesting thing is, is for me, one of the most positive things is actually I liked their cast choices because i don't know if you knew this andrew but i found out that some of the actors in this movie are actually christians in real life like kevin sorbo who actually plays the professor who's an atheist and then uh dean kane is actually in this movie too he plays a role he was in the new adventures of superman and lois lane back in the 90s on uh, network television lois and clark lois and clark yes yes uh he's a christian too so i liked how they actually picked christians to be in these roles, even some of the characters that weren't Christians. Uh, it was interesting and how they pulled that off. while we're on the topic of cast and who they are, did you know that Cassidy Gifford, who plays the girlfriend, who, by the way, might come up later for a specific answer to a specific question, <laughs> but she is actually the daughter of Kathy Lee Gifford from Regis and Kathy Lee fam. Really? Back in the day. And by the day, I'm speaking of, uh, you know, I think late 80s and most of the 90s. 
with Regis Philbin on early morning daytime television. And also her father was one of the commentators for Monday Night Football for many years. Oh, wow. But that was just one of those things that as I was looking at the cast, I was like, she's related to her. (laughs) And you see some kind of exciting connections. But we're getting a little bit sidetracked. But I just thought that was interesting in light of your discussions about the cast. But yes, I did know about Kevin Sorbo. I was not aware of Dean Cain's faith, but that's kind of neat to know. Because I always wonder what would possess somebody who's not a Christian to do a movie like this if they aren't. Right. But you got to imagine that some are not believers that do these films because they are jobs. Yeah. But that, that is an interesting thing. So I, I liked how they picked the, the cast members and which ones they did to, to play in the movie. Um, I, I did like how it was a little more believable at parts than some other Christian films where you know they, they try and do a good job of, of trying to be realistic, but a lot of times it kind of falls short a little bit, and I feel like in this movie, for the most part, they did. Um, one negative thing I wasn't crazy about is um, they had so many different kind of storylines going on at the same time, and at the end of the movie, they kind of, sum up-ish a little bit how they came maybe to, to know God or started praying and stuff a little bit, but they didn't really sum up what happened in those story plots. I don't want to give away too much without you seeing the movie, but um, you know they kind of just closed it at a certain point, and that was it. And I was like, hey, it would have been nice to know what happened with this person or that or how this worked out. or So kind of wish maybe they would have put in a little more detail with that. Yeah, and it is interesting that you mentioned that, because, and I will mention why in a moment. Um, but, uh, it, it, I, like, like I said earlier, and like you just alluded to, there were a lot of storylines going on. And for me, one of the negatives was actually the pastor. I kind of felt like some of his acting was forced. And of course, um, he had some of the, the Velveeta that we, (laughs) that we speak of sometimes when we do these reviews. One of my, one of the things that I chuckled at, but on reflection didn't think was a very good uh line was he said lying's a bad thing and lying to an ordained minister is a very bad thing <laughs> you know so that and i just thought that was a throwaway line that didn't really need to be there they tried to play it for laughs but it didn't come across that way for me so that was um one of my biggest negatives um and What's your favorite character, Adam? I would have to say uh, probably the main guy, Josh. Josh Whedon. I I liked how the biggest thing I like how they presented him in the movie was, you know, sometimes with with debates and stuff, you know, someone can get so into it and they try and, like, start this kind of army or huge, like, protest against maybe this professor who's an atheist or something. But, you know, he was just a teen just going into college, trying to start his life, and – he just kind of answered the call humbly to what God asked him to do. You know, it's not like he ever, you know, talked bad about the professor or put him down or got angry at the school or tried to like sue or anything crazy. <clears throat> but he just took some time to do some research for these debate times in the professor's class when he was challenged. Um, he really had a, a servant's heart, and you could tell that he just wanted to do what God did. And I loved in the movie, <clears throat> excuse me, it was so relatable when he mentioned the part about, you know, Jesus is my friend, and I don't want to disappoint him. And I love how he presented a relationship with Christ like that, not just like, a, you know, it's, it's, my, it's, it's my king or I have to do this or else he's going to strike me with lightning. It was, he's my friend, and I don't want to deny him. I thought that was really cool. Absolutely. And, 
And I would have to say that um, I really liked uh, Josh as well. Um, and as a minor character, another character that I really liked was the Muslim girl or the girl that grew up in a Muslim household. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she had been hiding her faith for a year, and she then was kicked out by her father, which was a very powerful scene. Mm -hmm. And I know that one of the criticisms that even Christians have of this film is how realistic is it, you know? Um, Some people think that it's just a bunch of internet tropes, fictitious stories that are uh, interlaced together, but there's some very real stories of discrimination. I was just reading today a story on the internet about a guy who came over to our country as an exchange student in 2007, and he met a girl... um, I don't. I think he was in high school. He met a girl, um, who uh, it became very clear, either because she told him right out or because he watched her life, that she was a believer. And she started telling him about Jesus and and giving him Christian books. He made the decision to convert to Christianity, and he called his dad on his dad's birthday and said, "I made an important decision." Um, will you be upset? And his dad said, I couldn't be upset by anything that you've done. But he told him that he converted to Christianity and his dad said, don't come home. Don't ever speak to your mother or your sisters again. You're not my son. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so I think he got the help that he needed to stay in the country, but his dad was trying to take all that away from him. Like, you have to have a sponsor in order to get to the country to to be a student and he was trying to take all that away from him because he made the decision for Christ. And, and in this film, the dad finds out that his daughter's a Christian and he first tries to get her to, to confess Allah as God and, and Islam as, as the faith. Cause he talks about how God didn't, the true God didn't beget any sons. And of course we know that, that, the true God did beget a son, Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father. Um, and she said, no, I won't deny Jesus my Savior. And so the dad literally picks her up and carries her down the stairs and kicks her out of the house. And it'd be nice to say that those things don't happen, but they do. Mm-hmm. And we don't have it as bad here in America, but there's more Christian martyrs um, in the in the world today than there ever have been. We like to think that persecution is a thing of the past, but it's not. And then another thing I wanted to speak to along these lines is, you may say, well, he could have picked another class, and yes, he could have. He could have gone to a Christian school, and yes, he could have. But hearkening back to our discussion in February about film, one of the things we talked about is how, even though it's well-meaning, kind of this Christian subculture blocks us off from the world. And it's very important to note that in John chapter 17, Jesus said, I do not ask you to take them away from the world. So I think that God wants us to prayerfully be an example and live out our Christian faith in various circles. And he may call you to serve him at a secular university. And so the question this film is asking is, if you're called to serve him at a secular university, are you going to live out your faith? Are you going to be true to him? Because like we said, 
with our example in Acts. The disciples didn't get in trouble for a one-on-one encounter, you know, this one-on-one loving discussion. They got in trouble for boldly preaching the Word of God. And yes, I think one-on-one evangelism is the best. When you can have a relationship with somebody, they can realize that you care, and then you can lead them to, to faith in Christ. There's nothing better than that. But sometimes it's important to make our, uh, make our views known in a court of public opinion. Not to mention the fact that Christians are baited like no one else. I can't tell you how many times you'll see an interview with someone. Um, Kirk Cameron is a good example. And I talked about this on my blog a few months back. Kirk Cameron was asked a few months ago what his views were on gay marriage. And he said that he was not for gay marriage because it went against what the Bible says marriage is. Now, anybody that's followed Kirk Cameron for any length of time knows that that would be his response. Mm-hmm. The, the person that asked him the question probably knew what his response was going to be. But the reason that was asked was because, like a good lawyer, you only ask the questions that you know the answer to, and you ask the questions that are going to ignite a firestorm. They wanted people to be upset with Kirk Cameron for his view. It wasn't about truly being shocked about what he said. It was about baiting him and getting him to say something that everybody could jump on him about. And that's the way I feel about a lot of this Christian persecution on college campuses and what they were trying to depict in this movie was, hey, um, there's acceptance for almost every other group, religious or not, But when it comes to Christianity, people have a block. Why? Because Jesus said, if the world hated me, it will hate you because it hated me before you. And you're my representatives. So it's important for us to remember that as we uh, think about this discussion. Another thing that I liked about this film is that even though it kind of buttons things up at the end, it doesn't have the happy ending that you think it's going to. Yeah. It's kind of a, a, a an example. I almost said real-life example. <laughs> uh, re- Real-to-life example, I'll put it that way, of how God's ways are not our ways and how he works things out, but not always in the way that we think. One of the characters never really comes to his senses. You know, when you think that he might, maybe should, maybe should. And one of them does, but through a process that you don't anticipate. And actually, uh, one of my other favorite things about this movie is the fact that um, there's a lot said about how God sometimes says no. Because a lot of times we use the excuse, well, God didn't give me what I want, so he must not exist. But the point is made in this movie that sometimes God says no to us for a very good reason. So I thought that was good, too. And then my least favorite character um, was kind of a toss-up between the character that you mentioned earlier who was played by Dean Cain. I mean, his girlfriend says, I have cancer, and he says, our relationship is over. Mm-hmm. To tell you the truth, I can't imagine anybody doing that. They might have a hard time processing, and they might break up a few days later, but I can't imagine anybody just walking, getting up at a restaurant and leaving their girlfriend sitting at the table after they revealed they had cancer, like she was ruining his plans. Right. 
that really blew my mind. Um, and then also the professor. Yeah. Although there is a pretty good ending as far as that goes. And again, not the way uh, that we would anticipate. And it's kind of interesting. One of the exchanges between him and the pastor is God says no a lot. And then the pastor says, well, he gives us the answer that we would take if we knew what he knows. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really good. All right. So. Favorite character, you said favorite character was Josh. Who's your least favorite character? You know, it's interesting because you would think I would say the professor, but actually my least favorite was the girl that Josh was dating when he started at college. Um, when Josh was challenged to do this debate about to prove that God exists and all this stuff in class, his girlfriend comes along, who I thought I understood was also a Christian and grew up in a yes. Christian home. And uh, she was like, you know, Josh, what are you doing? You could put your whole pre-law career online because that's what he was studying. If you do this debate, we could lose everything we planned. And she goes into this, I want, I want, I want. And um, it, it surprised me because, for one thing, she grew up in a Christian home. And pretty much at one point she was like, just write down God's not dead and move on. And it was like, wow, that was just very surprising. And And how true is it that, you know, even when we, you know, grow up in a Christian home sometimes or something that we can – you know, kind of get to that mindset where it's like, oh, I'll just, ah, just blow it off and then keep going on. Or we, we try and do our own agenda. And um, I was like, well, that, that doesn't sit super well with me, I guess, because, you know, you'd hope that she'd be supportive for him and, and uh, help him through this time. And she was pretty much like, you know, it's either me or God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. I, I like part of part of me like that. And just in this not I didn't like it like it, right. but I liked it in the sense that. You got the impression that even if this didn't happen, eventually they were going to have to break up. Right. Because he was earnest and she was just all about appearances and really shallow goals. And she was about controlling him. And she's like, I have our I have our next 50 years planned out. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's possible for anybody. First of all, you're supposed to work together to figure that stuff out. Right. Second of all, the Bible says that he's supposed to lead you in a lot of areas. But you're pretty much bossing him around and not expecting him to be the man that he's supposed to be. Yeah. So, and that could be a whole other podcast or two. Mm -hmm. But uh, we won't get into that right now. But I, I definitely resonate with you about that. The character, there's a lot of good characters in here. Yeah, there is. And like I said, you know, it wasn't necessarily bad to have all the stories because on the flip side of what I said earlier about having so much in one movie. It kind of paints the picture, which I think they were going for, which is that nothing happens in a bubble. There's always a lot of stories going on in life, and you never know when those stories are going to intersect. Um, that being said, it was a little bit too much to take on, and I think it took away from the overall film. But um, I am going, but I still think it's worth watching. I would encourage you to. Punch it up on Netflix tonight if you can. And um, Adam, as we close, what do you think is the biggest lesson that you took away from this film? You know, one of the biggest lessons I would take away is don't be so quick to judge or write somebody off. Um, they got deeper into the plot throughout the movie where they kind of told the story of how that professor became an atheist. 
And th- there's always a trigger and there's always a backstory before the actual story. You know, even even with so many atheists, it's usually not even um, I don't believe in God. It's well, I'm just not talking to God right now because something happened, whether it was pain or hurt or just something. And um, it, it reminded me that, you know, if somebody becomes bitter or, or hard hearted or they just seem like a really nasty person, A, remember that they probably weren't born that way. And B, that it came from something. Not that it's an excuse and it's okay to act that way, but uh, when we look past the surface stuff and go deeper, it's like, okay, this is an actual person. They have good in them, and there's a reason why they got to this point. And that's kind of why I dislike the the girlfriend of Josh even more than the professor because at least they showed the professor um, where he came from because he he grew up in a Christian home. The professor did. Um, But then you had the girlfriend come along who also grew up in a Christian home and was still kind of a Christian, but she was – very close-minded, kind of hard-hearted too. Where she's like, "I want my own agenda." So, I think the biggest lesson was don't be so quick to jump to conclusions about somebody. And and for this point, before I go into my biggest lesson, and we are wrapping up soon, but for this point, I would just say, uh, you know, it is important uh, to understand backstory. And for those who might say that that was a totally fictitious thing that doesn't really happen. I don't know, Adam, if you've seen the documentary Expelled. Uh, I haven't. That Ben Stein did. But that was just on intelligent design. It wasn't even on Christianity. Ben Stein is a Jew. But his whole point of putting it out is there was an intelligent designer. And he challenges these atheists who believe strictly in evolution. You know, why do you believe the way you believe? And there were there was at least one, if not more, atheists on there that grew up in christian homes but just like what he said when he when in the in the film god's not dead when the atheist professor says we took the blinders off you know it was like they were taking the lines out of that person's mouth and so a lot of people painted this as caricatures but if they will really study and look at the different court cases that are out there and and different things that have happened to christians and the the backgrounds that atheists have they'll find that a lot of it um, that they base this on really does happen. And it's only by understanding where people come from that you can help them deal with their issues. Yeah. You can't deal with the past until you admit the past. And, you know, so I really think that that was kind of good. And, yes, he um, Josh does get a little snarky with his professor, which I didn't appreciate. <laughs> but there's a human element, too. You know, Josh is just a human, you know, so he is going to get passionate and he is going to do things that he wouldn't necessarily might not necessarily appreciate his exact approach because he is human and he's a young man. But overall, I think it was a, a good thing. And for me, the biggest lesson of this film is just um, that God isn't dead. I know that sounds cliche, but just watching how the characters went through what they went through, but how God provided for them. And, you know, how, you know, even like the challenge that um, the pastor gave Mina when he said, do you believe that God makes mistakes, that he made a mistake when he made you? And she said, no. And Well, then you have to believe that if God made you in his image, that he loves you. That if you were the only one on earth, he would die for you. And you need to find a man that respects you the way God respects you. 
the right person comes into your life and, and you'll mean everything to them, not just as an accessory. Mm-hmm. So I just thought there are some really good lessons there. And before we close, I just wanted to say, I know you were talking about some of the plots you wish they'd been developed a little bit more. Well, they are, um, I read they are planning to do God's Not Dead 2. That's true. And I'm not real sure how I feel about that yeah. because I think it's probably better as a standalone movie. But um, we'll see what happens if they actually bring it out and we may bring a review to you of that. But that is pretty much all we have for you today. I hope that you've enjoyed this review. Um, if there's any movies that you think we should review, then please let us know. Um, if you have anybody that you think we should interview, let us know about that too. Um, give us any sort of feedback you want with the contact info that's going to roll in just a moment. Thank you very much for listening every week. And as I always say, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 